Welcome to the VRB Podcast, where we highlight different veteran-owned businesses and nonprofits. Super, super amazing Navy veteran on with us today, and I'm so excited to share her story of not only her business, but her story of where she's at now. So today with me, I got Jenny with Broken Yeoman on out of Virginia. So welcome to the show. Welcome on the VRB. I'm super excited to have you on. But before we dip right in, because we were chatting before here, but yeah, if you could please um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit of how you got into joining the Navy, why the Navy, what you do in the Navy, and um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I'm super stoked to be part of this community. Thank you for starting that, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my name is Jenny Lee Alejandro. I go by Jenny. I'm originally from Connecticut. Um, I didn't join the Navy until I was about 20. Uh, I straight out of high school, I started working factory jobs. It was nothing but I was really hard, uh, heavy into the metal hardcore scene in New England. And that's where I met a guy and then who was in a band and moved to Florida and lived that rock and roll lifestyle. Right. Uh, and I did nothing but I, I mean, I did some retail and stuff like that, but mainly manufacturing and, in, in, uh, industrial work, heavy machinery. Uh, I was an industrial truck driver. Um, Big machines. How'd you, how'd you get into that stuff? Uh, I come from, so before, you know, 2008, the economic crash, which was ultimately the catalyst <laughs> that, that had me join the Navy. I come from people uh, who are not from Connecticut or New England don't really know much about Connecticut. And it's um, like my hometown of Enfield had at one time had the most Fortune 500 companies in one town. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're talking Milton Bradley, Bic, Hallmark, you know, all those um th- well, the, the factory I worked at eventually came 3M. So a lot of big uh, companies come out of Connecticut. And uh, aside from uh, um, industrial work, it's also a lot of farmland. That's how my parents met, actually, um, was on a farm. So we do okay. a lot of tobacco and corn and all that. So it was either picking corn <laughs> or <laughs> tobacco or factory work. I didn't want to go to college ever since. I, I, I am a recovering alcoholic. My sobriety date is May May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, 2013. So amazing. Yes. <laughs> um, that was my goal in life, was just to continue down that rock and roll road. I always knew I was alcoholic, but I was proud of it, um, mm-hmm. which was just an excuse to not work hard. And so I made up for it by manual labor. So it was entry wow. level. Um, and I was the kid, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> it didn't turn out when I was in the Navy when I was called grandma, but at one time I was <laughs> Wait, how old? So how old were you? I was 26. I turned 27 oh, okay. two months after I got to my first ship. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what was the cutoff at the time? Was it like 28, I think? No, was... I think it still was in the thir- – you know what? Honestly, it might have been. It might have been 20. Now it's like, you know, 74. Cause then- <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, so that's what I did was factory work. I It just – it felt like um, I was repenting for all my sins for just how hard mm. I was. You know? And I didn't get – in that much trouble because you know i was i was around a bunch of boomers you know i was yeah. like oh yeah. the kid you know the, the attractive kid you know the can't yeah. be alcoholic you know and i got away with it uh-huh. and then uh 2008 hit and all our factory i was working in a i had a union job it was a great job i made envelopes <laughs> i went yeah. from packing envelopes to um becoming the material handler so i i operated a bunch of industrial trucks it was badass it was yeah. It was, it was dope. I, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was a good place. Um, 
there was rumors that we were going to get shut down. I actually went to welding school because the, the state paid for it. And I was like, yeah, you know, and I got job offers my first day. And looking back now, you know, this is 2007 or 2008. And yeah. I was getting job offers my first day at the community college for welding for yeah. uh, pipelines in Alaska. And look, yeah, man, look, look now being where I'm at now, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. But I was like, no. And I got so mad that the gear didn't fit me. You know, I found any excuse, you know, I love TIG welding. So maybe I'll, I'll go back to that. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, and next thing we know, I, I clocked into work. It was, um, the day after my 23rd birthday. And I sat at the end of this long table with all the big wigs, the white collars that never came downstairs to the factory floor oh. and said, we're shutting down and you have the least seniority, your first go. And so I worked for two months and then, oh no, they let me go that next week and I was paid for two months. And then I went to community college and I did pretty good, but the alcohol took over, you know, the partying took over. And um, I used the excuse of my unemployment ran out and I needed to go back to work and, mm. you know, so difficult, whatever. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to drink and um, yeah. ended up going from working this really awesome union job with great pay, vacation benefits up the, the yang. Mind, mind you, my, my health is declining badly because I, when I say I drink, I, I was, well, I can't believe I'm not dead, you know, and yeah. my teeth are falling out of my head and just a lot of health problems and um I just really wanted medical insurance and if it, not even medical, dental. And I think a lot of people who don't have dental problems take um, dental insurance for granted. Mm-hmm. You know, it, t- it takes about 2600 at the time to get a, a root canal and a crown, but it costs like 200 bucks to get a removal. So I had like all my back teeth were out. Wow. And I would just do that. I would just go get, you know, my, <laughs> so bad. I would just get a tooth removed and go work a 12 hour shift, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> And I get off of work at seven in the morning, and there was one yeah. package. We call them packies in in, uh, in New England. I go to the package store, open at nine, and then drink myself to oblivion at noon, and then start all over again. You know, uh, that was my life. Yeah. I never mind the you know metal shows and getting punched in the face and mosh pits and yeah, stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, man. And then unemployment ran out, and I I stopped school even though I won grants. I got offered. Man, all the things I was offered, you know, I was offered a full ride because um, I had such a high GPA um, a full ride to all women's college. And I was like, you know, like, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I started working overnight at Target. So that was cool. <laughs> and then um, I, I got another second. I, I moved on up to a temporary work at another factory and um Man, it was. I have this old master chief. He said that my entry to the Navy sounds like an old country song, but literally, this my boyfriend broke up with me. It was this crazy freak um, blizzard back in 2011 um, in uh, uh, Halloween, and all the trees were, you know, it was a state of emergency. Everything was frozen, or pipes were frozen for like nine days, and then I had an infected tooth, and you know, it was just, and then you know, I. It's been it's been over a decade, so I don't mind admitting that I saw Acts of Valor, and I was like, "That's me." Really? <laughs> like, oh. That's what did it? No, but I I was like, you know, I really need dental insurance. I I just every day that I watch the movie, I'm like medical. What did I? I saw that movie. I went on a date with some dude. I don't know. I think it was Cozy, and yeah. um, I thought again, 
so I'm from, and I know that there's a naval base in Connecticut, but I didn't know that until I was already enlisted. I only, like, I live on the border of Massachusetts, so I identify with okay. Massachusetts. No idea. <laughs> Any military. So <laughs> I lied on everything. I didn't know I needed glasses. I had no medical record because I was old and, like, whatever. Um, I thought you had to be a perfect human, in perfect human condition to be enlisted. <laughs> you know but uh yeah i i went in and i'm like marines don't want to die army don't want to die i you know i didn't think of air force. actually i think of the air force i'm like i'm scared of flying <laughs> like, you know, all this dumb shit and i was like navy they drink perfect oh. and that's honestly why i joined the navy i'm like i love cards i love irish punk music and i love to drink it's freaking perfect and yeah. uh, you know i went to meps and they're like kind of job and I scored pretty high on my on my um my ASVAB and I was offered looking back was offered a lot of intel jobs but I was like whatever leaves the soonest I don't care because honestly no my history of job I'm 26 at this time I had worked retail um though my whole stint in Florida was roofing and I'm telling you I did I did a lot and I just need to get paid I don't care and so I said Whatever, that was April 4th, I went to MEPS, and I was that day, I actually wanted to be a CB. My grandfather um, helped build uh, Route 2 up in Connecticut, and I, wa I wanted to be a heavy equipment operator. And, you know, it's kind of the, from what I think of construction, is kind of like who you know, so you yeah. can't, you know, and I can't just be like, hey, I'm Jenny, and I'm going to drive that big crane, you know? <laughs> Um, so that's what I wanted to be, but I failed my depth perception test because oh girl didn't have her glasses and was scared that the baby oh, let me in. Yeah. And um, I failed depth perception. They're like, listen, you could try tomorrow or you can leave here with a job. I'm like, oh, so they're like, you want I I think they were saying IS and IT and that kind of stuff. And I was like, whatever leaves the soonest, bro. And they're like, we have this great program called Pack Seaman. And in our in the Navy, you come in on you don't have an MOS. Right. You're just, I mean, the, you either get um, engineering, uh, aviation, or surface. And I was surface. And because they left the soonest. And little, I mean, I'm not that embarrassed because I didn't really know. Um, so my enlistment date is D-Day. Uh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm still bad with my naval history. I'm like, <laughs> not my strength. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I, I shipped off and uh, my fr it was terrifying and because I just didn't want to be found out for being, you know, not perfect. And I wanted yeah. I didn't care about the alcoholism. I thought that was actually a bonus point for me to come in with alcoholism. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, not knowing, knowing now I was going through some serious withdrawals in boot camp. And, how did, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. how was boot camp with that? Well, because everybody on Sunday, like... People that wanted to escape, like, um, boot camp life, they would go to church, you know, or temple. Right, right, yep. And yep. mine was dental. <laughs> like, you know, right. I, yeah, because I got all this free dental care. Like, trust me, guys, like, I'm scared of the dentist. I, I really am. My first dental, no shit, my mom can verify, my first dentist was Dr. Venom, and his, his chair was in his house, swear to God. My, my hand got loose one day. The Novocaine needle hit my hand. I'm scared of the dentist. But when you yeah. go through, when you are a dying person with alcoholism and you have so many teeth ripped out of your head yeah. and you get charged. And that's the thing, too. I owed so much money to these dentists back home. And I, I actually traded manual labor for some of my dentists to pay off my bill. Um, really? 
yeah, man, you got to hustle, right? <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I'm happy to say now I was able to pay them off. I, I showed up and I paid them. And, Good and, on you. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Anyway, at, at dental, I was so happy to get just free care. You know, I got crowned and oh, and boot camp at Great Lakes. They have like top of the line shit, man. Like they made a. I watched a three D printer make my fucking crown right there. You know, I'm like this really? is free. You know, yeah. And um, eventually, the Navy gave me uh, uh, dental implants and braces. Um, so the Navy hooked me up for that. Thanks. Yeah. But anyway, I because I had so much work done, they gave me a lot of Vicodin. Huh. So, because I was gonna, I was gonna ask like nothing. Because obviously with the severe alcoholics, I mean you could kill yourself just going oh, yeah. straight up sober. Oh, that's like, coming later in my story. <laughs> oh, good, good. But, uh, so, I'm go ahead. Bad boy. so I'll but, uh, shut up. And you go. No, but, no. Oh, no, no, no. I. Go. Um, but yeah. I, I didn't purposely get Viking, and just looking back now, I think that's the only thing that probably saved me. Really? Um, you know, besides just you know not what I had no backup plan. Like this was it, bro. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I was so desperate at that time, but um, yeah, I had a lot of dental work done, and I had a lot of Vicodin, so I think that's what helped me. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was it was a trip, man, because you know, hiding behind my alcoholism and my tattoos, you know, like <laughs> I was heavily tattooed when women weren't really, it wasn't really, you know, it was looked down upon, and you know, and now it's like whatever. But back then, um, so. I always hid behind my tattoos and my hair and my makeup and attitude, you know, and in boot camp, they cut my hair off. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you cut your hair. They just, they, everybody in the Navy knows the woman I'm talking about. Um, that's hair there. <laughs> it's been 11 or it's been like 13 years and my hair is still jacked up. Okay. And I shaved my hair. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't hide behind my makeup, my hair. And the first week we were in those, you know, the minion outfit and mm -hmm. I had this shirt and I couldn't hide behind my tattoos. I didn't know that at the time, just looking back. And um, eventually I got, the, we got their short blue shirts and, and uh, my RDC called me a gangster. And also <laughs> now I'm the MA of the, I don't know, I was terrified. And, and I will say though, like Navy boot camp for me was surprisingly easy it was air conditioned almost the whole time <laughs> i Wait, was on the a lot of the time coming from an air force guy what <laughs> yeah i don't i mean granted again i had already lived a whole, i don't want to say a full life but i remember one girl she was still 17 in boot camp you know so this is their first experience of yeah some of them. I don't know. I don't know all of them. Yeah. Um, me, I'm like, oh, I'm here for the free shelter. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> shelter, food. Yeah. Cali food there. Still dream about it. It was great. It was delicious. Um, but yeah. And then so soon as, so since I was undesignated, um, I just went across the street and I had nine days of uh, Marlin Spike. And right the day before graduation, I was allowed to drink and I got shit housed. And really? there's yeah, there's pictures of me winning honor graduate. I'm like, <laughs> you know what oh I mean? Oh my like, god, really? So real quick, how was it going in bit older with with all the younger annoying. really? And that set the pace up until today. I'm still wow. annoyed. You know what I mean? Because it is just a it's a different it's a different beast, man, you know? Yeah. Like yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm a before 9/11. I know I'm 37 years old. I I'm going to my 20 year high school reunion this year. So yeah. it's like, um, it was just things that that 
they, not everyone, I don't want to say everybody there, but a lot of these kids, because they are, yeah. um, you know, they just raised their hand the year before to ask to piss, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, what they thought was so detrimental and, and heartbreak and awful was like, are you serious? Like, you're getting three square wheels a day. Like, you know oh, I mean? God, yeah, with this newer gen- Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, there's a, there was a couple women um, that were older um, and wiser and just street 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 smart you know what i mean yeah. and that's yeah. something yeah. i had to just from yeah. being down drunk you know you just you, you you lose your innocence you see that side of life and uh i hope you know I, I stay close with them um well, but you, it, well what, oh sorry but yeah. one, one thing i kind of wanted to bring up too is because you you growing up it seems like you're you're doing the stereotypical what would be a man's job yeah. You know, and so I'm saying you're surrounded by a bunch of alphas with with what you were describing with your different jobs. So how was how was that with with I guess how did you handle that? Well, uh, like did you get told yeah, like oh no, you're I, a girl blah 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 crap? I no. Okay. No, I I mean you, I I dealt with that in the real world. Not saying that the Navy isn't, but the, none of nobody in the Navy could ever tell me shit about okay. about that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you work yeah. in the Florida sun after drinking a bottle of fucking Jack, you know what I mean? On a roof, like yeah. and have all the men take my tools away. So I have to rip up shingles with my bare hands. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Yeah. or in a lot of factories I worked in were different cultures. So I had, I had, you know, where women don't do the jobs that I do and I, or I did. So I, that kind of stuff, whatever. And it was ironic because I ended up being a uh, yeoman, which is completely clerical and really you know i have nothing but that wasn't difficult that was actually difficult for me to see grown men struggle with certain stuff you know what i mean you know so but you know that's that's the pace for the rest of my navy career too (laughs) but um, yeah i've never considered myself like an an alpha or um super bruh it's just is what it is i come from my my father's from puerto rico he was one of the first non-white families to move to connecticut like you know and i just grew up in a house my both my parents worked and both my parents worked hard and didn't complain about it you know they they had to steal from peter to pay paul like it just my life don't work it it, you know so um but that's why i loved being a deck seaman (laughs) because it was it was dirty work, but it was so easy compared to what I've done in the, in yeah. the world. And I got away with so much shit. Like being <laughs> alcoholic in tech department. Oh my God. Mm. Especially being kind of pretty and then older. Like yeah. I just yeah. walked out with a tool bag and looked angry and everybody just got out of the way. I smoked a lot of cigarettes too. So yeah. I, I, I quit cigarettes the year after I quit um, drinking, but I was living the, what I thought was a dream, you know what I mean? Smoking cigarettes, I'm in the Navy, I have awesome hair. <laughs> like, I just, I loved it. And every day, every day, even today, I'm like, oh my God, I was in the Navy. You know, like, yeah. it's it's an honor. And, um, but yeah, man, I started working at something in the Navy we call cranking. It's when uh, departments uh, on the ship, I was on a carrier. My first ship was the USS Harry S. Truman and I, here out of Norfolk. And yeah. um, uh, in our mess decks, there's just not enough um, CSs or, or culinary specialists okay. to ban um, everything. So they have, everybody has a lottery and they send people bodies down there, you know, to help with um, washing dishes or serving food or washing laundry. It's just a service thing. And I freaking loved it because yeah. I was in the kitchen again. You know, I did a lot of kitchen work on the outside too. Okay. And um, 
the hell did you not do? I know. <laughs> well, because just getting a job was just, that's why I don't get it. Get a freaking job. You know how freaking easy it is? Like, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, yeah, don't so get me started on that. But. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, though, for our, my other Navy and Coasties folks, supply takes care of each other, that department. And um, mm. they, they saw the signs of me and my alcoholism, and they didn't throw it yeah. on the there was just a lot of older people in in I was around. I still yeah. talk to this day. Uh, but yeah, long story made short. Um, I hallucinated in my rack. I hallucinated someone that wasn't there, and which I'd never done. You know, I I smoked some lead and maybe popped some pills before the before the Navy, but yeah. I never did hard drugs, so I never hallucinated before. And so I looked up my symptoms, and because the whole night the whole night I was jumping out of my rack screaming and taking shots of Zequil because I thought that would help. I don't know. Mm. You know, that, that's a whole another story of my withdrawals. I was going through yeah. DTs. So I was going yeah. through tremors, um, and I made it um, just outside of medical and passed out. I was uh, in a medically induced coma for two days. Yeah. The withdrawals were so bad. Um, yeah. at then I was in the psych ward for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, believe it or not, I made a lifelong friend in that psych ward. So I was there so about... I was going to say, did you tell them the truth of what was going on? Yeah. Well, it was okay. that I was ready. I was already preparing to go to SARP, which is um, the Substance Abuse Rehabilitation Program. It's all it's DODY. Yeah. Um, so every branch has it. Um, so I was actually going through the entry of it. Um, so there, it's. That is awesome for you. I just want to say, like, you're doing this solely on your own. Yeah. And uh, that's incredible. I would. Um, save that because I did it because as an alcoholic I had a reason my reason was I need to learn how to drink so I don't I don't get kicked out of the Navy mm. that was my that was my intention because I okay. I knew I was I was getting way too drunk and uh, like I was getting I was gonna get caught man I was gonna do something yeah. dumb. we were about to go on deployment we were about to go and yeah, thank God and, yeah and I was like I thought that this rehab would teach me how to like find that sweet spot and not overdo it. I really, really, really thought that. And okay. um, that was my intention. So I just, you know, eventually I, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me is to find my sobriety. However, my intention was to find another way to ski. Right. That's what right. I did. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was in the uh, psych ward. Just, I was, they, they had no other place to put me. So it was just enough to, uh, waiting till the next class up for SARP. And um, so my first day in SARP was uh, May 13th, 2013. Okay. And uh, real quick for those that may be listening, can you explain to them what SARP is or what it stands for? Yeah, again, that so SARP, don't know us military. Yeah, for sure. Sorry. <laughs> um, SARP stands for Substance Abuse Rehabilitation Program. It's a DOD uh, wide program um, mm -hmm. uh, held by Navy Medicine. And it's uh, you can either self refer yourself like, hey, I have a problem with drugs or alcohol. Or your command refers you because you have a DUI, or yeah. you know it, it's drugs, alcohol, um, and there's three levels. You know, somebody says, you know, I think I may have a problem. They maybe they have level one. They go to a class here and there. You know, most of us do that mandatory training anyway. Um, but this dedicated time, level two is a little bit more intense, and level three, where I'm at, is actually um, residential. You're mm -hmm. there. You are mm -hmm. there. And uh, that was the best best damn thing that's ever happened to oh, me. that is so awesome yeah it wasn't at the time that is crazy no i've never heard of anybody seriously i well i only did 17 but i've never heard anybody going through like the residential and and having your outcome it's always they're booted yeah. and well, you know some again spite which you know lights the life 
my life fire. Um, yeah. I sat down. It was he's he's since passed, um, but his name's Bill, and um, he's <laughs> this old retired master chief. Which I fangirled really hard about the Navy. I joined the Navy fully humbled, and I know that sounds kind of corny, but seriously, even you know, just seeing a master like when I saw a warrant officer first time, oh my god. <laughs> You know, it's just so cool, and it's yeah. you know, it's just so honorable to me. Um, so there was a, he was first of all, he's from New Jersey, which anybody from the nor the Northeast, um, when you're displaced, you know, in the Navy, um, you just you kind of you bond, you know, wherever you're from, you hear somebody's yeah. from there. It's like even if they even if they're a horrible person, he's still connected to them somewhere. Right, right, and right. so here's this old retired master chief who was a company commander in the eighties. And, uh, you know, smoked big cigars and he was sober for 30 years. And he said, and there was like, I forget how many of us were in the auditorium that day, but it was a lot. And he goes, and he said the number, he goes, statistically only one of you will stay sober uh, the first year. I'm like, that's going to be me, motherfucker. Mm. You know, and I used to get super jealous of people getting their chips before I did, even though it was the timeline. Like, you know, I went through a lot of growing pains uh, spiritually because it's not just about not drinking. You know, it's a lot of work. And. Not only is it me getting sober 10 months into my enlistment, it's going through the ranks and learning the Navy life too. You right. know what I mean? So, right. uh, but yeah, SARP is a substance abuse rehabilitation program and it's residential and it's open to not just Navy people. I met people from the Air Force. I met people from the Coast Guard mm-hmm. um, and I even met uh, some spouses and retirees. Actually, my bunkmate, uh, older woman about my my mom's age. She was the bottom rack, and uh, we're still friends to this day. So, um, and what kept me sober wasn't that program; it was the introduction of Alcoholics Anonymous into the program. Uh, that was our local AA, our local twelve step yeah. meetings. So yeah. we would once a week, or I forget how many times. It's been so long. Um, we would go out into town, and it was the same people in those meetings. So yep. I was able to transition from SARP to continue these meetings. That's the only thing that kept me sober. It was, oh. I honestly, to this day, I don't even remember anything I learned in SARP. I just learned, like, the good places to sneak cigarettes. Yeah. Like, I, I really don't. It was the people from this area of Hampton Roads who were sober, who came to SARP to speak, and who embraced me and still embrace me to this day. Only That's reason. Awesome. And that's awesome. the reason why I decided to retire here because this is where I'm so I got sober. Um, I don't know anywhere else, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was my driving force. You know, I, I had I went through a lot of growing pains, a lot of embarrassment because <laughs> I, I I um I promoted really fast in the Navy. I went from E3 to E6 in five years. Um, oh, okay. yeah. And and just. I, I went through this phase where I just dismissed everything that I used to be, and now this is who I'm going to be. And, yeah, it was just this whole back and forth of figuring out who I am and being okay with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was always open about my sobriety, about my journal, my journey. I was institutionalized five times uh, during my enlistment. No mm-hmm. shame. No shame in that at all mm-hmm. uh, for different reasons. Yeah. And um, I had very high-vis jobs. And I, as a yeoman, most of my my time in the Navy was at hospitals, naval hospitals. So I spent one year at Portsmouth Hospital, three years at Balboa in San Diego, and then my last tour was at Portsmouth Hospital. So corpsmen are my brethren, and um, they taught me what leadership is and what servant leadership is. And, and that's not a promo for Navy medicine or anything, but yeah. 
honestly, to this day, um, I, I know the potential of great leadership in the Navy because of Corman. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I start, actually started a, um, I, I was the CMC's EA, which is like their personal yeoman, I guess. And I was the first non-Corman. And I was also a lot more junior as an E5 doing that. So I was high vis. I was a fly on the wall for a lot of things in the Chiefs mess. And um, but having you know the CMC's ear, I was uh, I got the green light to start a aftercare program in the Navy that wasn't AA related. So uh, it got got picked up by Navy Times, and it got my program was picked up by Kings Bay, New uh, Georgia. So that was my fighting. It's just. Cause it's okay, man. Like you can be in sobriety. You can be, yeah, yeah. you can see stuff with your mental health and still be super successful and not only super successful, super visible, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? And yeah, be open. Yeah. So I, I, I tried my best to break that stigma, maybe not for everyone, but for me and try to be as approachable as I could be. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I look professional as fuck. So <laughs> I had my nails done, I had my hair done and um, I was very professional, but I, I, you know, I, I I went through the ringer, and it's okay. okay. It's gotta be scary for if I if I join the Navy right outside uh, after high school, I'd still be in the brig for some dumb shit I would have got caught for. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. It's, yeah, I think it's important to to extend that grace. Um, so what led me to broken yeoman? <laughs> um, I was gonna ask why is it not unbroken yeoman? Yeah, so broken yeoman has a lot of different terms uh, or or reasons the short end is i was medically retired so i'm a broken yeoman you know um, that's easy but the real thing is is that um i have no shame in the fact that i am in recovery i have no shame that i um ha went through a lot of mental health struggles and i want to take back that word broken when you're limdu i did two limdu tours my first one was for tmj uh i'm telling you, my withdrawals from alcohol um lasted over a year and yeah. I have a, yeah. it, it was a long time. Um, I actually don't have that much recollection of 2014 at all. Um, do you, so, do you still see like when you're hallucinating, do you still feel that those were real? Like I, to this day? So yes. So yeah. my hallucination was very simple. It was this girl, her name is Angie. Um, still friends with her on Facebook, but, uh, we were cranking together in the mess and she had gone to start first. I'm such mm -hmm. a follower. I'm, I, I, you know, I'm like, you're going to start? Oh, maybe I should go. <laughs> and, uh, so she had, that hallucination was her pulling out my my um, my curtain in my rack saying, Alejandro, if you don't get up, I'm going to call medical emergency on you. And when you're on a ship and they call a medical emergency, they give you a compartment number. So everybody's going to know. So I'm like, oh. And, I saw on the, and then I realized I hallucinated that entire conversation, everything. And it was just so real. And, you know, with the relationship that I found, uh, not to get too preachy, but, you know, when you're in recovery in a 12-step program, you learn about God and your understanding of God. Right. And, um, right. I have no religious affiliation, but I, le I learned about spirituality. And that, that was God. That was God. Because mm -hmm. if it was something crazy, you know, like Bart Simpson at my, you know, I wouldn't have taken it seriously. But it, yeah. it was the fact that I was totally convinced that that conversation was real and that person was real. And then realizing two weeks ago she went to start. And we ended up going through SARP together too. But um, yeah, to this day, I, I I think that was my understanding of God inter interfering wow. as uh. as they do throughout my entire life of yeah. just looking back and be like, oh, that was God. That was God. Thanks. <laughs> or universe or whatever you want to put name on it. I'm, I I don't I don't you know it's my understanding, but that's yeah. My, 
that's what recovery is in in, in a twelve step program. But um, broke and then uh, so my limb do tours, it's like oh you're broken, you're broken. Don't don't rely on them. They're broken. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But as a yeoman, I was never broken yeah, <laughs> because I am just as valuable if I can walk or if I can't because, mm-hmm. I can, you know, so um, even in my limited tours, I was working at full capacity. So um, I take pride in the word broken because of how yeah. it's thrown around in the Navy. Um, yeah. There are a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. All right. I I was limbo and I did milk it my first tour. I was I was E4 and I was loving it and loving not being deployed, you know, like, yeah. That's why I can call bullshit because I was I was doing it. Yeah. Um, but then there are some serious people who are have a limb due tour, which is limited duty, which means you're mm-hmm. taken away from your full time duty and you're just assigned somewhere, you know, picking up trash or whatever. And especially for E sixes in the Navy, you need certain performance evaluations to make board to make chief. And when you have this stint of you being sick or hurt you know, wound, injured, or ill, it's not your fault, and you're missing this gap of promotion, like, I get it, and so when you're told you're broken, it it sucks, man, so I'm taking that back, you know what I mean, we're all broken, and that's the long answer of what broken yeoman is. Hmm. I like it. No, it's it's kind of with what you were saying, it's like, like, here in Colorado, I don't know what they have out there, but it's like, if you're over, was it 50 or 60% disabled with the VA, you get a disabled veteran's DV, and it's a DV on the plate, right? Disabled veteran. I fucking hate the label of disabled all the time. And it's like so many, and I get it, you, you know, obviously, you know, you don't know my own story, but yeah, I'm technically disabled or whatever. But it's like so many people see this, it's just like a negative print, and it's just there on my card. You're you're disabled, like a reminder, you're disabled, disabled veteran, da da da. And it, you know, I get into the start me into the whole entitled veteran thing i won't get into but there's a lot of that and they play that card but i just i'm like why who who was the driving force that wanted people to be highlighted that they're a disabled veteran like i don't don't know i can't i can't stand it i appreciate everything and i appreciate the free plates but if (laughs) if they weren't free and i had to pay for this there's no way in hell i'd be putting disabled veteran on my plate and I think that's another thing that that should be um, talked about. It's I completely understand um, why these conversations in uniform can get you in a lot of trouble just for being curious or just talk, bringing it up. But things such as disabled, like um, you know, or when people throw around PTSD, you know what I mean? Like oh, PTSD, mm-hmm. you know? It's it, it, I, yeah, exactly. However, there are these people who, and I saw it in my last tour who get 100% disability for anxiety. Am I taking that away from them? Absolutely not. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But there is, as humans, we see patterns. And if we see an outcome, then maybe some humans will um, mimic those patterns to get that outcome, if mm-hmm. you understand, you know? Oh, yeah. People in, in the cracks that really do suffer from, from, so how do we weed them out? We don't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but it exists and we got to talk about it. Just, you know what I mean? Cause it's, yeah. it's especially in, this is probably for a whole nother, um, t- uh, day, but you know, with, with our active duty suicides, you know what I mean? So it's, um, that's what broken yeoman, I, I, I still don't know exactly what path I want to take, take it, but it's definitely talking about these topics and having a safe space to talk about it and, and not be, not be, you know, torn down for asking a question or pointing something out like no we gotta talk about this shit you know what i mean and um 
you need to get with the other female nonprofits that are on the VRV. I don't know if you would like with Cruise Corner, and then I've got another one. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting her name off the top of my head. But anyways, we'll, I'll, I'll mention those before we get off, and I'll give yeah, you all their contact info too. Appreciate um, well, what the? So you're telling me all this stuff here. <laughs> How the hell did you get into scrunchies? <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like every answer is going to be 25 minutes. You got a good story. <laughs> so I've always been the art kid. Um, okay. I'm the, I'm the oldest of three. My brother, the middle, was the, you know always into sports. My sister, the baby, was the cheerleader. Um, I was like the really moody kid in lunch, like not quite emo. I didn't have this thing, but yeah. I was you know, a little mysterious. <laughs> I was just so nervous to talk to anyone, but I just, I just have RBF. So people think I'm just mysterious. Um, when I spent, you know, I was really socially, that's what led me to alcoholism too, because it took that away. You know, gave me conf mm. false confidence, but, um, yeah. I was into art. That's always been my outlet. Um, so when I got out of the Navy, um, I was so scared of not having a job. As we discussed um, the, my life history of always being employed because I'm so scared of, you know, whatever. Um, I got a job while I was on terminal and just, you know, I, I just needed a job, needed a job. And I, I, I ended up leaving. Um, so my transition has been very difficult. And another God moment is that I went through serious agoraphobia when I got out, I couldn't leave the house, but it just happened to coincide with COVID. So it was, uh -huh. you know, um, but eventually I got, I snapped out of it. You know, I, I finally got a, a mental health provider that I could be completely honest with. Not that I ever lied, but I omitted some things, you know what I mean? Cause I want to be deployable. You know, I didn't want to get out. I, I right. want to be deployable, but it is what it is. Anyway, I, so I've been seeing the same health, uh, mental health provider for three years, that's another thing that I didn't have in the, in the military because you just jumped, you know, jumped or whatever. Um, and I got a house. Uh, and that was my biggest accomplishment. You know, I got out of the Navy without any debt, like not even a car note. And I bought my first house in November 2020. Four yeah. months later, I had a house fire. <gasps> and, really? Yeah. Um, it was completely my fault. I put it out myself, completely topless, by the way. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a story. Um, <laughs> but that's good. Um, but in that moment, and you know, I'm sure, you know, when you're in a, a high stress situation, like adrenaline, like some right. serious shit situation, time doesn't make sense anymore. And you can have complete conversations with yourself. I've been in that mind frame a couple times in my life. Um, but in this one, it was this whole slow down, the whole like, don't, don't don't think you know mm -hmm. and i had this voice in my head it's like you waited your whole fucking life to buy a house and you're gonna quit now and i was like and it was just like time came up and i just grabbed the hose from the sink and i put it out um and it was bad man like i thought i lost all my electricity because it was pitch black i couldn't find my cat and i i literally for the first all that stop drop and roll shit actually worked because like you know and you know crawl out and the mm. fire came and um I guess my Navy training kind of helped because they said I did everything right. Um, but man, four months, I wasn't even done unpacking. So I was just, I was displaced with my cat at a hotel and I just had this fucking breakdown, man. And I'm like, why? And I was working at a flooring company that does government contracts with the Navy. So I'm still talking shop with retirees, you know, unfortunately still calling each other by rates. You know what I mean? And, um, 
because that's just what happens in this area. You know, you work, you leave the Navy and work for a shipyard. That's just is what it is. But mm-hmm. um, and then the company I was working for, even though some of them were supportive, they were also blowing up my phone, knowing I'm just went through a house fire. I'm mm-hmm. in a hotel and you're blowing me up about some fucking reports. Yeah. So I was, I just remember just crying and I said, I waited my, I worked my whole life to get to this moment, right? Why am I still going down the same path, Jenny? You're still yeah. living this life of service where you do, even though I worked in, in an admin job, I was very creative with it. You know, I, I created a lot of systems and I, I felt like that was my art and my art's always been taken from me and, and, and you know, I never got the credit for it. So long story made short, I decided to drop my legal major because I want to be a lawyer. Judge Judy's my hero. And <laughs> and I just, I, I put in my resignation in my job. It was a good paying job. And I had him by the balls. I tried to quit once and they gave me a $5 raise just to stay, you know. And then, um, yeah, man, it was either going to be an art major or hair. And I chose hair because, I don't know. It, it, when you use the GI Bill for that kind of program, you get a constant payment. So that was another. Um, right. uh, and I went to hair school. And um, did you so, have to use the Voc Rehab for that, or the? I was going to. So the thing with that, with my experience, of anybody else out there who, uh, so you have to explain your disability why you were retired. I'm I'm medically ret- retired from the DOD for PTSD, and okay. they wanted me to tell my story, and I, I wasn't cool with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. And and it's just like it, it wasn't in a in a therapeutic environment, and I don't really agree oh. with that. So oh. I I decided to go with the GI Bill. It was there for me, yeah. and my buddy, my buddy Jeremy always helps me out, and he he told me that. But I'm like, I know it was a better deal on paper, but bro, I couldn't tell this per like you know. So no no no, I know because no, they no, no, after no. my crap like they they forced me to go into therapy. This is five six years. After my incident with my fingers happened, all of Iraq happened, because they lost my paperwork, I slipped through the cracks, and so then they were like, "Oh, and that was when all the suicides were 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 screaming through the roof, like let's get him in here, blah blah blah." And then like, "Hey, just break, let's just crack everything that you've closed up <laughs> from way back in '04." But um, yeah, hey, but we're here yeah. for you. One thing I wanted to ask too. So you're sober now. You got all this positive stuff going on. You got your house, house fire. How badly were those demons knocking at your door with drinking with all this? Like, how were you handling yourself with all this going on? Because to me, it seems like you were almost like just like cruising through with being the alcoholic. Jenny, I don't, this is just what I'm assuming. But then all of a sudden you're sober now and all of a sudden, man, shit's hitting the fan a bit. And you. <laughs> so I live, I thrive on chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what kept me sober or mm-hmm. keeps me sober. Um, it's just constantly being needed and constantly get, having my fingers in every fucking pie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The the closest to a relapse I've been was when I first got out when I was agoraphobic. Mm-hmm. That's where everything stood still. So the fire oh. actually, because the fire was the catalyst of me going to hair school with me quitting normal job, starting my own business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was that slowing down. I actually... As an alcoholic, as an addict, by the way, there's no difference between alcoholic and addict. You know, it's just poison of choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but 
man, like I, I schemed when I was drinking, I, I planned out my whole day. I measured out all my alcohol, all my cigarettes. Like it was this game, you know? And I started to do that again when I first got out and I was staying with a friend of mine. Um, we made first together and she, she had wine in the house and I had this full plan, man. And that was the first time in my life that I, I've, um, well, that period, not that time, but I was suicidal and I really wanted to self-harm and it was just sick thing. It was so sick what I was going through in my head. I, I didn't like it, um, but it was there. So I had this whole plan of, man, it sounds dark now, but of drinking and stabbing myself, man. Like, mm-hmm. is and, and I say that easily so it's relatable for somebody that's going through that. You yes. know, um, I'm not just saying that casually, like, oh, you know, but it's, it's, that's what goes on in our heads and especially our brothers and sisters that are still active duty. You know what I mean? Um, but that was the, the hardest time for my life. Uh, but and what they teach us in the rooms is, is those thoughts happen, call somebody. And I did. Yeah. See, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 And I did. And I called my first sponsor and um, yeah, man, we, and, and we talked it out and it was hard cause it was COVID, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and like, the online meetings aren't the same. Plus, you still, it doesn't matter if you're sober or not. There's still freaking creeps out there who DM you on, you know. No. But, yes. but yeah, the, the fire and, and going through all that, yeah, it was super stressful, but it gave me a purpose. Everything in my life, it's always when shit hits almost rock bottom that I'm like, nah. And then that's when I get super energized and whatever. It's when I'm complacent. I'm kind of in that, honestly, I'm, you know, we're talking real. I'm kind of in that m- m- mode right now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, broken omen is, is awesome, but I'm not struck. Like I'm not struggling with her anymore. You know what I mean? Like I'm waiting for the next big thing to happen. Don't, don't go light your house on fire. Let's record this podcast <laughs> I first. House, I am selling my house. Um, but yeah, man, I, th- I thrive on fixing stuff mm-hmm. and, um, and, and just once you picked yourself up by the bootstraps, as corny as that sounds, it becomes easier. And you got less room to pity yourself and less room to feel bad for yourself. I still do all the time. But, man, when you pack up your whole life at 26 and join the Navy as an alcoholic and get sober, like, is anything really that difficult anymore? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I stay sober. May 5th this year, single day mile, it'll be 10 years for me, man. And it, it literally isn't 10 years. That's how many days I woke up and I didn't take a drink. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And, and yeah. it's 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 still it's still possible. I'm not cured. I'm not cured right. at all. Right. And, right. But and that's the thing we were talking um, before you started recording about being in breweries. You know what I mean? Like when I was drinking, man, breweries were not a thing. Like and um, I do so. I, I I make scrunchies. I start out in hair school, and the girls and a couple guys really like liked them. And I still got my cosmetology license because that's what I set out to do. Um, it was also hard there because there was people that were born the year I graduated that I was going to school with. So that was a whole nother thing. Um, but the scrunchies took off and I wanted to make sure no matter what I do is that I give back. And the USO is, is my absolute favorite charity uh, organization, you know, hundred um, percent. It's, it's a uh, volunteer based and, and donation based. And they helped me out so much from my very first um, duty station at layover, that weird, awkward time. And you're dressed like, <laughs> and like your sea bag and you don't want to wrinkle anything but you're so freaking tired you know and it, and then um when I, I got medevac from Bahrain through Oman and through Oman and then Launchstool and if it wasn't for yep. those people in the yeah Launchstool that was a trip yep. that so no that's what uh, no 
No, I was going to mention because when you say USO, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is Longstool and who yep. was there, and they all had our blankets, and yep. it was the most welcoming thing ever. So yep. that's why when I saw with USO yep. for you, like that's it. Awesome. And if I could do more, I would, you know. And yep. and that's what I started to do. I started to actually volunteer. I'm a volunteer. It's just Broken Nomad took off, man, and it's it's hard. Uh, the, their volunteer hours are kind of kind of weird. And all last year, last calendar year, I hustled to find markets. You know what I mean to to sell my scrunchies and my website wasn't that great. It's still not that great, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And, you know, I was underselling myself. And, um, so I just, I, I needed to go full send and I did, I'm, I'm full send. We're broken yeoman. And, you know, I never been so broke, but I never been so happy, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 But I try to get into these breweries and, um, it's, what's crazy is, how acceptable being sober is as, as crazy as that sounds like mm-hmm. um i i'm allowed about my sobriety just so just so somebody else can be may, maybe you know ask questions because that's the yeah. scariest thing nope. you know yeah absolutely but these breweries they're pretty cool like if i was still drinking i would not go because it'd be super lame because nobody's taking shots you know what i mean right. so right. um but it's very classy, I guess, for people who don't have a drinking problem. But that's what a lot of my bread and butter is through, is through breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel triggered. Um, it's not the alcohol that triggers me. It's the um, the people that get too inebriated. And I'm like, man, you don't even, you know, when they're too really? far gone. It's, it's, that's, that's the thing. Especially when I was at command parties. Like when I, my first time, I, was, I, would, I didn't deploy to Bahrain. I was stationed there. completely different freaking animal when you're stationed there Mm -hmm. um so i had this turnover um what do they call brunch there okay brunch to me is pancakes and you know (laughs) mimosas maybe but there it's clubbing at noon and Mm -hmm. i wasn't prepared and i met my entire chain of command like the higher chain of command that day being shitty yeah you know what I mean? And so to me, I, I, even though I was a low down drunk, I, I lose respect when you're, when you're showing ass like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, if you're just having a casual drink or something, which I never understood that co- concept, but when I start seeing that man, it's just like, no, cause you're going to do and say stuff that you want to do or say normally. And I just, it's, it's secondhand cringe, secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. I'm also low key scared of, I don't know what kind Hey man, like, I've seen some shit. I've done some shit. Yeah. And um, things can pop off. It doesn't matter where you are. And so, which led to my agoraphobia, right? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this, it's not the drinking. My, my boyfriend has stuff downstairs right now. And it's, I see it's like whatever. I'll pour him a drink. It's not, it's not the alcohol. It's all the isms that come with it. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's impressive. That is extremely impressive with you. Like, because even right now with the, you know, with the person that's in my life, it's like, I hide everything, you know? So for you to be, you know, doing any, you know, he'll say he's fine with this and that, but I still, it's just, you know, a matter of respect. Like, we'll go, we went to the corn concert and uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to have a beer or two. You know, I'm not drinking like, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was still just even hard for me just to have two beers around him. But yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so when when did you officially start your business? So check it out. My official business day is the same check, day I went to it. MEPS. <laughs> no <laughs> kidding. Look yeah, at you in your day. Yeah, that was a coincidence. Wow. That was a coincidence. So um, officially on the books, Broken Yeoman has been established um, April fourth, two thousand twenty-two. So next, and actually in a couple of days, will be a full year. 
Way to go. Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've been kicking it off and you've been doing, because I see you've been doing like lots of events and stuff. So yeah, who's, like, where were you getting all your inspiration or like, hey, I need to be doing these events, this and that? Because um, a lot of people nowadays are, hey, I'm just going to put this up online and people are going to go buy it. But you That's seem to be it. in your face. That's what I wanted to do. Is sit yeah. back yeah. and behind the scenes and make some shit and you buy some shit. But yeah. believe it or not, <laughs> I, during COVID, um, I was doing a lot of online dating and, um, ended up making friends with this guy. I still haven't met him in person, but, um, it didn't work. It, it didn't work out. We had each other's social handles and he, um, also a veteran, he sells hot sauce and I would see him at all these events and stuff. And he was really cool about it. And then when I started, when I, people at school at the Paul Mitchell school I was going to were asking about my scrunchies and like wanting them and you know these girls are pretty young so they would be like like freaking excited like backstreet boys excited i mean seriously and i'm like man i gotta get out in these streets so i hit up the guy that i t started to talk to on a, a dating app that yeah. switched to social and he gave me that's the thing like if you ask questions be prepared to get answers and then act on the answers you know what that's i mean sense. and um don't expect anything that's what i that's one of my biggest things in this market game is um expect nothing and ask away you know what i mean and um he gave me this list of of places to apply and i started to and the moment i got into um it's uh my house is in portsmouth virginia so my first market is this antique and flea it's in the, uh, a closed garage and you rent out like one parking spot okay and like it'd be curated people like me or it could be people that just have a bunch of junk they want to sell. So there's no criteria, there's no business license or anything like that. And um, that's how I started. And then I got accepted to the military owned market and I was like, man, I made it, you know? And, like, and then that's when I met some really awesome people that's helped me along the way. And I'm telling you, man, this life of markets, I, I refer to us as uh, uh, domesticated carnies. <laughs> lifestyle, like we all show up all pissed off and like end up struggling with your tent. It's freaking hot out. It's like whatever, like the, yeah. the event coordinator's being a bitch, like whatever it is. And then, like, <laughs> then we're bitching about it. And then you see a customer and it's like, <laughs> on, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's great for somebody like me who has uh, some so social anxieties. I'm really good at short term engagements. But when you want to like talk to me a lot, I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> like I don't know how to explain yeah. it. It's like yeah. I need to cut it off. So these events, um, I'm able to interact with people. It helps me with my social skills, helps me with my speaking skills, um, helps me not wear sweatpants every day. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And it gets me mm -hmm. something to um, to show up for. And the fact that I, I raise money for the USO is super important to me. So it's my brother or sisters in arms that I feel in a way depend on me. You know what I mean? Yeah, in a very, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, very, yeah. very, very small. And <laughs> that, that keeps me going. Um, cause it, it gets rough, man. Like I, and, and that's okay. I've canceled some markets just cause my, you know, my head wasn't on right. And, um, cause it's, it's, it's overwhelming. It yeah. might look like you set up a tent and table and you sell stuff. It's, it's not, man. No, like it's if you're not. not feeling it, if you're, if you're, yeah. Well, depending on where you're at, even trying to use the bathroom, if you're there by yourself, you're like, oh shit, I gotta pee. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I gonna do? Leave all my stuff out here. You gotta ask another yep. vendor. Yeah. But yeah, just little stuff like that. But it's a long. It can be very, very long days. It <clears throat> and it usually, it, it I'm I get worked up the whole day before. Like make sure I have everything. Worried about parking again. I'm still dealing with my agoraphobia and my anxiety and stuff like that. And a lot of it has to do with being out there. You know what I mean? And 
you yeah. guys, this is coming from somebody who was so worried about people coming after me and like, you know, just going through some bad shit and just trying to be as incognito as I can to literally post in my location mm. all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, but, and it's, it's crazy. Cause when you really think about it, I'm literally telling people where I am all the time. And this is a big feat for me, a, a personal feat, because not only do I have like my sobriety brothers and sisters, but I got my market brothers and sisters. And a lot of us are veterans. So I know if, if stuff pops, that actually something popped off at a, um, it was a small scale pop off. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like, Oh, but it was like, it was, and I, I ended up making friends, um, or getting friendly with this older couple. They were both army and, yeah. uh, you know, full 20 years, all that. And, um, there was this, it, there was a couple, but there was this weird dude that was going around. He was going around. It, it was just weird. It was weird. And I told him I was, and it was taken care of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. and unfortunately it's not that many men in, in our community. Um, mm-hmm. so if you are a male, um, happens to be a dude, <laughs> and you want, you make something or you have a service or something, man, come out. Cause yeah. We need some brothers, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> we really do. It's it's a, it's man, it's it's a crazy world. Like I was I was up the other day, I was taking a bath and had my coffee in the bathtub. I'm like, holy shit, you know what I mean? Like that's a that's a pretty awesome life to go through what I gone through and just be able to have a cup of coffee in a bathtub. You know what I mean? And and then all of a sudden I get this little ching ching and I sold a scrunchie. Oh shit! <laughs> you know what I mean? That is awesome. But, so are you are you working? Is this your full time gig right now, or do you still have a Wow. Yeah, full send. So when I graduated, I graduated hair school on June 17th last year. And I had a job right after at a salon. Um, Another God moment for me. Uh, This woman who owns a salon for the past like 30 years or something like that. I worked there like calendar wise two weeks, but hours wise, maybe a couple hours. And I kept getting offers to do events. And as a hairstylist, you know, you got to do those hours that people aren't working. Mm-hmm. And um, I just had that moment, like that same that same conversation of like you're just gonna let everything go, you know. When I grabbed the hose, I had that same conversation with myself. It's like you gotta go full send, you gotta go all in. And um, I just it was like this bubbling, it was this bubbling that I had just had to get out of there. And I told the the head stylist, I'm like, I, you know, I, I wanted to wait for the owner to quit to, to her face, you know what I mean? And because yeah. uh, I've been through enough to I could still be a stand up stand up woman, you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave now, but I'm gonna tell you to face and why, you know. Right. And uh, she just wasn't showing up, and I was like itching from the inside to get out of there, and mm-hmm. I did. And that woman, um, you know, she's in her fifties, and she wrote me this card. She gave me full. As a hairstylist, you barely get it. You rarely will get a commission. You know, you might get well, hourly or maybe tips. Right, she gave right. me full um, credit for every service that I did, and which in cash, which helped me. Wow. And she said, you know, my 30s were the the best time of my life. You know, go get them. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty rad. So that was my full send. And that was um, before July of last year. And then, um, yeah, man, I, I met my boyfriend. And, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty rad. But you have, you know, for me, I have to go full send. Because I am, I'm a service person. I, I work with purpose. And, yeah. Um, it's really hard for me to split hairs, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I am kind of going, getting the itch to. <laughs> Don't say burn anything down. I just apply. I just went on USA Jobs, bro. <laughs> like, like, I know it. Like as soon as my, not this is not cockiness, guys. It's just like when you're when you're a wine one, 
or what were a Y1 in this area in Norfolk, Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and they, they can get you like, oh, mm-hmm. my wine one, like not in uniform. Like, yeah. So it gets scary. So I got, I kind of offer it Langley, but I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know if it's with as much meant, uh, as much, uh, psychology and therapy that I've gone through I kind of like check in with myself like Mike am I doing this because I want a job or is it because I want to know I can still get one <laughs> you know oh, yeah but, um, but that's that's where I'm at with Broken Yeoman and you know I just uh thankfully I don't know if you heard of Bunker Labs yes. um, yeah I was so gonna just, say Joe with the salt forwards out over by you I don't know if you're connected with the salt forward at all but anyways he I, was running the Bunker Labs over there so yeah so I just I just finished my cohort um and uh it wasn't what I was expecting, not in a bad way or anything, but mm-hmm. I think it was. Uh, I think it was more beneficial for somebody that has like employees and stuff right. like that. Maybe not somebody that sews scrunchies. Um, <laughs> I also do pillows, but um, ah. yeah. Well, I saw some other you. Well, I thought I saw some like headbands on your online and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, some pillows. And... Pillow, that's way cool. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm trying to expand because. Oh, yeah. uh, not to sidetrack again, but that's what I do. I'll be at these events and, and there'll be like old timers, you know, and they come to my like, yeah. old men or just men in general. They come to my tanks like real men, you know, and they come over and they, yeah. they see, you know, like frilly hair. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. What to do? <laughs> like, so I'm like, I should offer something for, for everyone, but I usually get a good C story out of, out of a guy and um, we connect in that way. What, um, do you got like a um because we got into your scrunches a little bit but not too much but i wanted to ask is there is there a lot of do you have like certain sets that have certain meanings behind them or this and that or where's your inspiration going through with all those so when i first started broken yeoman uh with the scrunchies anyway because broken yeoman was gonna be um um, i was gonna have a salon out of my house i got approval for everything um to run a salon out of my house um because that was that was the point i wanted you know active duty women in my chair and let's talk about the things that we can't talk about in uniform because uh, it, it really i mean i've been retired three years now it's it, it really wasn't that long ago and yeah. i know i know not every it's not only women uh, i will say that but there's a lot oh. of that that women go through that are they're not even talked about that you can't even put them in words what some women okay excuse me what i went through the way that mm-hmm looked at or nuances like is it me is it them like so it's it's a nice it's a so we could talk about it yeah yeah, yeah. turning into the scrunchie thing but so at first i was like super jane navy about it like all my scrunchies had a name like i have like it's just stupid man like like I need to have to like parts of the uniform or like naval history well one that i am proud of it's a line of so the naval history I do know. <laughs> the first uh, enlisted female um, in any branch was Loretta Perfectus Walsh, who happened to be a yeoman. And okay. um, she was the, also the first chief. So that, that was always my question at boards for junior sailors. Like, who was the first enlisted chief or female chief? And uh, so I, I had a whole line of scrunchies, velvet scrunchies, because she was around the time of the Victorian era that okay. I her. Oh. But um, So at first I do that, but now... so. That's another thing too, man, that I learned through this process is that, you know, this person over here loves this fabric, so I'll just get a bunch of that fabric, but then nobody else likes it. Or you should do this, and you should do that. And I'm like, okay, and I do that, and I do this, and it fails. So now what I do is I go to the fabric store or shop online, and I get fabrics that I like. That's it. And I name them whatever comes to mind. Yeah. You know, if it looks like like this one, 
is cappuccino because it's the color of a cappuccino. That's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or or just it's or I just name them something cute, whatever. Um, yeah. I, I put too much, in my opinion, I put too much meaning and sh- in focus on shit that didn't matter. But I think those are the okay. part of the growing pain, pains of, of being a, a, a small business owner, whether whatever your product is, you know what I mean? And um, my focus now is more on branding and um, being more inclusive with my brand. And I don't mean it the way that that sounds, just meaning it's, you know, I want you to, to see my symbol. Yeah, and- yeah. You know what I mean? Just an easy thing. I had like all these quills or the feathers was very um, detailed. It's like, no, simplify it. Break it down. You don't need this whole story of everything. Like everything was like this whole fucking story. (laughs) Like, no, we can talk about that offline. Like you can relax, like calm down. You know what I mean? Right. um, Just get their interest and then boom. Yeah. Yeah. And and so with Broken Yeoman, my, my intent was after the hair thing was to open up an art share for transitioning military members, especially our junior guys. They get out, maybe um, they can afford a one bedroom apartment. Um, but do they have a space to create art? You know what I mean? And whatever that art is. And, and mind you, if you make it, you, you, it, it's art. It could be food. It could be woodworking. It could be welding. It could be sewing. It could be whatever. That's art. I don't care. Yeah. Anybody says it's art. Yeah. And do you have a space for it? Do you have a space dedicated for it? So I kind of wanted to open up a brick and mortar and it would be kind of cool if it, it ran like a like a commune. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's something that I'm missing now. And that goes back to in seriousness why I'm looking for jobs because um, I miss just being part of a chain. Okay. You know, and um, it's it, it 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 it's a big hole in my life. And it gets it gets filled with broken yeoman and, you know, hearing stories when my boyfriend gets home from the ship. But. I'm not in it anymore, man. And and yeah. I still struggle with it. I struggle hard. And yeah. um, so, which leads me to when I was with Bunker Labs, I had a one-on-one with a director and I, I gave her some of my ideas because also I wanted to bring Broken Yeoman to SARP and speak at SARP because that's where I got sober. But then it's like finding who's who in the zoo and like, would you allow me? And like, what kind of resume do I have except for I'm a recovering alcoholic? You know what I mean? Like, I'm being realistic about it Um, because the older I get, the more realistic I get. Mm -hmm. And um, but my what I was thinking about doing is opening up. So I don't know about the Air Force, but in the Navy, we had a lot of associations (laughs) like you kind of lose sight of what your real job is because you do right duties but you know you have the junior enlisted association second class association first class association mm-hmm. and my first class association when i made first was at balboa hospital in san diego and i never had a better experience with my peers and um i, I saw like i said i saw what true leadership was and what being a first class petty officer in the united states navy really is as corny as that is um i was part of something i was important i was valued and i was humbled and um whenever i had an issue i would go to one of my brothers and sisters and we would figure it out and yeah. I never been, and I could, I could hate or dislike a person so much. But as soon as the junior Sarah walked in, we talked business around yeah. that, and I respected that so much. And you know, we would volunteer even if we didn't want to. We would raise money even if we didn't want to. This just, you just do stuff even if you don't want to for the greater good. And I miss that. And so I was thinking about <clears throat> now that I'm saying out loud on a podcast, I guess I got hot. <laughs> <laughs> about starting an association under Broken Yeoman's name. Um, you know, okay. vote in. We meet. We um we raise money, we pay dues, uh, we discuss things, uh, we hash things out, we help each other out, we mentor. Um, you know, this is how you get a business license. This is how you um, file taxes. That was a big thing this this year when I did my taxes. Nobody had a go by, so I created a go by for everybody. People were like you should charge. I'm like, no, 
Stop having the mentality to always charge for a service when you can just help out your brother, man. You know? So I would like to do something like that, create a workshop. Um, and then we can, you know, maybe have potlucks. We can raise money. We can um, do a car wash. You know what I mean? Like do something in our community. Um, volunteer at the USO. You know, welcome my brothers and sisters back from deployment. Um, so <clears throat> I think that might be the route that Broken Yeoman takes is just to start something because I can't be the only veteran in Hampton Roads that is missing being part of something. Mm-hmm. And I'll never be able to go back in the ranks. And I, 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 I understand that. Um, but it's this weird limbo. I'm ne- I'll never be a civilian again. I'll never. And, and on top of that, too, I got sober when I joined the Navy. No. So the life I had, why would I ever uh, want that anyway? I got you. So, yeah. I have this new ment. I'm in this weird limbo. So I want to find other people that are drifting, you know, and because maybe again, since I've had so much therapy, I think I'm just insightful myself. And maybe there's a, a, um, a, a, a veteran that's listening that's in the Hampton Roads area, or maybe I could be online too. I don't know. Um, I didn't even know they were going through this weird limbo. You know, maybe that's why I feel like worthless or, uh, not useful or resentful towards the new Navy or the new army or the new Marines or no, the no. new, you know, cause we always got something to say about what's happening now, <laughs> but it's because we're not there. You right, know? Right, right, right. It's like, we're not part of this problem to be part of that solution. You know what I mean? And it's like, I really try to look deep inside myself to figure out what the fuck is wrong with me. Cause if mm-hmm. I say it out loud, maybe then you could figure out what the fuck is wrong with you. <laughs> and, uh, but I think I want to start collect, just have us all together. Cause I really believe that a lot of us were indoctrinated to be part of that chain mm-hmm. and no matter where we are on it. And it's everybody. Res- that's just the thing too. Like in the job force in, in out here in civilian life, you know, people get petty about pay and benefits and stuff. When you're in the military, it's earned. You know, right, like you know right, what everybody right. makes. You got the time and service. You you just you know, if you're the new guy in the block, you keep your mouth shut. You learn the yeah, you yeah. Learn the ropes. You know, and then you work your way up. Here, it's like everybody has their hands out, and and it's like I think I know I miss that. I miss being part of a chain. I miss part, being part of being depended upon, relied upon to to expect nothing less than ex- excellence. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's. I think I think I should start. I probably I probably should do it. No, I just sent you a thing on Instagram when you were talking. Go subscribe. Remember, Vigilant Valkyrie. I sent you her stuff. Um, you 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 guys would get along great. And Cruise Corner too. I've, they're just great. Get with them. Um, <laughs> but no, it was when when I got out because I was like real sour towards the military, and I was like I don't want to do anything with the military. Blah blah blah. And here I am in Colorado Springs. I mean, I can't go get my mail without seeing everybody out in uniform. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I don't want to get away, you know? <laughs> and then, but then, you know, like we were talking offline, the VA told me, like, you need to be involved and you need to be doing this and that. Da, 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 da. So I got involved with certain organizations, but then it was just a huge negative bias that was, um, you know, centered around drinking and nobody's going out of their house unless it's Veterans Day and they're getting a free meal at Applebee's. So, I had a real set. I was like, nope. Da, 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 da. But then um, I started meeting positive veterans going and like taking positive steps forward and stuff like that. And that's kind of, you know, uh, saying with the BRV getting started and all that. But um, it was, it's hard 
trying to find your place because then you've got all your old friends who are just civilian friends and this and that and you can't really you can relate but you can't and then you got this and that going on and it's just like um it's just a whole different ball game um so it's it's hard i don't know if we'll fully truly adjust back to being a civilian or anything well i was going to be the veteran but i want to be the disabled veteran (laughs) so it's it's weird but i i absolutely 100% love with everything that you're saying. What I really, really feel that you need to do is there's not many women out there that have spokeswomen for themselves that have been through the things that you have, especially when you, when you think alcoholic, first thing that pops in my mind is some old bearded Navy vet, <laughs> you know? That's so, why I got away with it for so long. Yeah. And it's, it, but it's awesome. You owning your story and everything that's going on and that you're, super powerful and i i think so many i i hope a lot of women hear this podcast and just just people in general that you know everybody can have issues with alcohol or any sort of other you know drug of choice but with what you've gone through and especially with by yourself where you like it's like you almost intervened yourself to get into the navy to to get it going is 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 incredible and one other thing too for people that may be listening to this if you are part or know somebody or you're being affected by somebody with alcohol or, or any sort of disease there's another there's everybody's heard of alcoholics aa alcoholics anonymous so like here locally they meet every tuesday and thursday in different areas of all of town but then there's al-anon as well Yes. Al-Anon is for the family member. Um, and then there's Alateen, which Alateen for kids of alcoholics and stuff like that. So if anybody listening, like even if your significant other, whoever family member is not going to AA, you can get tools to help yourself, not not to help them, but to help right. yourself deal with everything. Because um, that's extremely, extremely important. So, um, but of I just I just wanted to throw that out there no, too. No, thank you. And and in Hampton Roads, if anybody's in Hampton Roads, the sobriety here is really strong. And um it got kind of weird after COVID, you know, but um pre COVID there was one meeting that we would go to in this big church and it had several floors and we'd have Alan on Alateen or whatever. And of course, customarily after the meeting, we all outside smoked cigarettes, <laughs> you know, and talking. But um it's true, you know. Um <clears throat> my father um he was a dry alcoholic, never saw him drink a day in his life, but he had all the isms. So when I went to my first Al-Anon um, speaker meeting, I'm, I identified with a lot of that too. So mm-hmm. yeah, man. And it's, and I understand that the principles of, of AA, you know, is very secretive, but it's a new, it's a new, it's a new dawn, man. Right. Like let's, let's get it out there. It doesn't have to be weird. Um, alcohol, um, if it's alcohol, if it's drugs, if it's sex, if it's gambling, it's all an addiction. It all fires the same parts of the brain. Yeah. Um, not one is more glamorous than the other. So, yeah. um, and it happens, man. Like when I was in SARP, it wasn't just alcohol. There was this kid, um, I, I forget his name, not that it mattered anyway, but, um, he was that shit hot sailor, man, like sail of the quarter, sail of the year, like whatever. And he started taking Adderall just to keep up with himself and Adderall eventually turned to meth. Imagine being an active duty sailor on a ship doing meth. Mm-hmm. It's really not that rare. And um, it happens, man. Get out. It's not that rare. Meth? I, I would not be surprised. I mean, okay, when you think of meth, I know what you're thinking, like what you look like. But there's other forms. Of, you know what I mean? Like, And the same thing with all these new drugs that come out. It's 
<sighs> no, I'm very familiar with meth and coke and all that. We, I could tell you offline. Sure. My story. But um, um, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Coke it's is crazy. It's, that's what's so weird is that, unfortunately, the dark side of the military that I experienced, um, it really is who you know and um, who you're in with. If you're on the good side or the bad side, you know, what club you're in and not all the time, but in my experience, and right. some people can have addictions or really bad problems and, but they're on the right team and they're swept on the rug until they get their retirement. So, um, and then, of course, junior sailors see it, and it turns a systemic thing. But um, if you are struggling or know somebody that's struggling, um, that's what Broken Yeoman is about, is just opening up that 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 platform and knowing there are other sources besides the mandatory training that you're given. You know what I mean? Like, all those no. sources that, that are given to us are great. I've used them myself. I've used Military One Source. Um, I've used um, the Nurse Advice Line. I've used a lot of uh, the Veteran Suicide Line. Um but there's also things locally too, and sometimes maybe just like you said, just get out of your head and go to pop into it. You you don't need a membership. Nobody needs to know your yeah. name when you go yeah. to these places. Like yeah, it all stay there. It's all confidential. Yeah. and the worst is gonna happen is somebody says hi to you. Like honestly, yeah. so oh, no, it's like and just family. to get the yeah. the verbiage and the signs and and man, like I I can pick up another alcoholic like that just the to certain terms that we use right. or the certain looks that we give. Um, and I would trust a recovering alcoholic over anyone any day. See, this is what I was going to say with two is because people that need help, I I myself would rather deal with somebody. So like me, when they force me to go through therapy and this and that, they're like, oh, this is what you need to do. And, da, da, da. and I'm talking to these guys trying to open up. And I've never been deployed, never been freaking downrange. I have no idea. They've read about it, but you've never been there. I can totally tell. And you're fresh out of college. You got your brand new bar on your collar. And you want me to open up about all my story to you? And then same with the alcoholics. Um, with with pretty much anything else for that matter. I want somebody who's been through the shit. And I want to open up to them. Yeah. Um, and so for you, and as a female, it, it, you're, you're a freaking powerhouse. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Yeah. I just been through the ringer, that's all. Yeah. <laughs> the thing, but, too, the, of anybody that's active duty that's listening, um, or a veteran, is you have a lot of power over your healthcare that you maybe you don't know. Um, you, unfortunately, a lot of, uh, I was only active duty a couple of years ago. The mental health system is so backed up that people are being referred out into town for mental health. And that sounds terrible at first. However, you can really, like, I, when I got out of the Navy, I still have TRICARE. So I, I pretty much everything on paper is almost the same. Like I still get a DFAS paycheck. I still have TRICARE. I know it's great. All the um, benefits and the BS. Well, I'm actually TDRL. So I just went through oh. a evaluation to see if I'm permanent or not. So, but um, what I did, it was just like the, the uh, online dating, except for, you know, shrinks. And <laughs> here he is. I, I got set up with the best. Re- so I'm actually the um, therapist that I have. Not only is she a drug and alcohol counselor. She's also an art therapist. So, um, Perfect. yeah, and I went through, so when I was still active duty, I went through a program called OASIS. Forget what it stands for, um, but it's um, intensive um, uh, residential therapy for PTSD. Yeah. And I was the first, um, excuse me, the first non-combat related case that they had. I was like a, mm-hmm. a trial. Um, they're still my brothers to this day, by the way. It's sister. Um, but that was the first time in my life that I was honest about my therapy. Cause I've always been like uh, checking the box, like give me the meds, whatever. 
Um, yeah. Getting off the meds was the best thing ever happened to me too. But um, I was really honest with my guy because this is this is literally like the spa world of therapy. You know what I mean? Like equine and like uh, oh. we had tons of like state of the because you know it's it's a lot of it's for our combat. Um, uh, people with who have combat experience and that's where their trauma PTSD stems from. Mine, mine didn't stem from co- combat. So of course mm-hmm. there's all this, you know, state of the art and, and different kind of holistic therapies. And what worked for me the most was the truth. And, um, I straight up told my therapist, I'm like, you're giving me all this homework and I'm just telling you I'm doing it, but I'm not. And I don't know why. And kind of find out that's in the DSM five. And my type is, like all the shit that I've been lying about just to appease um, the provider just to get through the appointment is an actual like defect. And um, me, uh, so soon as I met um, my therapist now, I told her that. And we haven't had an actual structural, we might've had two or three structured um, sessions, but basically it's just me shooting the shit with her. And Mm -hmm. I write down notes and what we talk about and it's been the best therapy of my life because I'm completely honest and I, she knows me after three years like she knows me and I've been through some shit and in, in, since I've been out mm-hmm. and um and just being honest is so scary but you learn so much about yourself so if if you can if you go on uh, psychologytoday.com you can filter out your person and oh. in your area like you can male or female when it comes to doctors I trust the medicine um yeah. so I don't have a preference when it comes to male or female um, but I wanted a female at that time and I wanted somebody that understood recovery because, you know, like you said, it's somebody that's just straight out of school. Yeah. You could read all this shit about recovery, but have you worked with addicts and alcoholics? Do you understand mm. how we scheme and how we think? And you know <laughs> what I mean? Like he does. And, oh, and yeah. it's, it's so, yeah, if you are, if you have access to, um, health insurance, I hope you do. Uh, again, going back to why I joined the military is. I understand how hard it is to get health care uh, and dental care. But yeah, if, you, yeah. if you do, psychologytoday.com, you can literally match make with your uh, mental health provider. Oh, and wow. I strongly suggest that you do that because – and be 100% honest. I'm a, I'm able to in my life to be 100% on, uh, honest and not uh, omit facts or things that were bothering me because uh, there are some words in when you're active duty that if you say they're trigger words yeah. and then they have to report you. Um, of course, if you killed somebody or something like that, of course. But, you know, if just – and I try to – with my other veteran friends that isn't in a professional setting like this, you know, we might joke about suicide because that's how we, um, our dark humor gets us by. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if, if you just, sometimes they're fleeting for me, you know, these thoughts are fleeting and mm-hmm. I want to talk about them. I don't feel like it right now, but I felt as though, I don't know if it's the truth, but I felt as though if I said that in my session when I was still in uniform. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And, um, you know, I can't um, tell the future, but I really thought that. And I, I, I you know, I loved being in the Navy, um, so I didn't want to. And I should have never went to Bahrain. I went through, I went through five, I went through that intensive nine-week uh, inpatient residential PTSD program, and I still had a lot of work to do. I, nothing got through to me till the fifth week anyway. And then when I finally started seeing progress, here I am taking over division. I'm brand new first class, and. I want to get out to sea and take on the Navy with this new leadership that I learned. And, and then I, I went operational and operational and garrison are two different things. You know, I was, I was in shore duty for years thinking I knew what, you know, 
I can go off on a tangent on that, but when you're up, when you're operational, things don't go as they should, and right. and you see shit and you hear shit and you go through shit. So, um, yeah, I probably should have never even I should have got out at that time. But it is what it is. And but if you're suffering, um, there is help and be honest, but be strategic about it too. You know what I mean? Unfortunately, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Well, hold on. So I've got two questions for you. But yeah. first, because we threw out the thing. So Jay, I don't, I'm assuming she might be a friend of yours. But um, she's got a question for you that she popped on Facebook. I don't know if you saw it yet. But um, she says, you've done some cool stuff, even in pubs and places of its likeness. So my question is, has she noticed a shift in public opinion on sobriety? From the time she got sober until now, has the general public become more or less supportive? I don't know if it's meaning supportive in the eyes of people being so sober or your business. I'm not sure. Um, well, again, I've always been uh, open about my sobriety. I think uh, that's a very interesting question because mm -hmm. I think that it shifts with my own perspective. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. My interactions with people depend on how I receive it. Yeah. And um, I think that I was really fragile in the beginning um, I think I made a lot of excuses and I gave like, I felt like I needed to explain myself a lot. And I think with that, um, fostered a reaction that was really like, you know, cause I was like, I was kind of like an AA cheerleader. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and I, I think I, I forced it on people too, mm -hmm. but now it's just more of a matter of fact. And what I see now is that people actually feel sorry that they're drinking. Yeah, and yeah. I don't, I don't think that's okay either, by the way, right. do you, you know, like mm -hmm. you don't have that thing in your brain that goes from zero to your life is right. fucked, you know? And, um, so do you, but there are people like, like me that exist that won't say that there's a, there, and that's, that brings up another point. I, I find it very embracing. So if anybody that's a small business owner, veteran right now, that's in recovery or is trying to recover, just try not to drink just for today. And you're the only the only markets you could do are in a brewery. Uh, I'm here to tell you that we exist and you can have fun without even noticing that people are yeah. drinking. Um, sometimes you just need permission and it's okay. Um, there's other people like me in Hampton Roads area that are in recovery. And honestly, we get free soda. So that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but, um, here you go. Um, but I, th I find that people are almost apologetic when I say I don't drink and they feel bad. It's like, and they're, they're in their yeah. correct environment. You know, we're yeah. not at church or something like yeah. you're at breweries yeah. and they like cover their drink. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. even my boyfriend, he'll, he didn't feel good the other day and he took a shot of whiskey or something. Like he's not a drinker. I, I lucked out with that. And yeah. he was so worried that I could like taste it on him. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. He, I believe that um, now in this time and age, people see the the um, fentanyl crisis. They yeah. see the homelessness. Oh, that was the first thing I noticed when I moved to San Diego was the homeless. Mm -hmm. Oh, the it's trees, bad, yeah. not the beach. It was the homeless, and it was mm -hmm. the addicts. I think yeah. they. I think the general public, American public, see what's happening in our streets, mm -hmm. in our homes, because it's not. It, again, it's not in the streets. It's not L.A. It's not New York. It's you know, Podunk, Wyoming, it's mm -hmm. everybody, somebody in your life is affected. So when somebody can say, I'm not that I don't drink, but I can't drink, you know, mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm recovery. My sobriety yeah. date, May 5th, 2013. It's more like they support it because they hope their loved one can, can go through that. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it really embracing. And the, the, the biggest part of that is to be vocal. 
If you need help, man, I just, I've been there and the world just seems on fire when you're still using, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, it seems so scary. But once you make that first step, man, on this side of the fence, it's, it's scary. You feel all the pain, but man, it's a beautiful life on this side. And you could do it no matter what industry you want to go into telling you all those problems that I put in front of my face excuses were there. They were holograms. I walked right so, through. So what, so this was one of my questions was you've got somebody listening in right now that has a, an addiction problem. What do you tell them if they're seeking help, but they're not being vocal about it, they know they need help. Yeah. Um, so my biggest mistake was, so well, is to find, you can go online and again, even if say your drug of choice is cocaine, you could still go to an alcoholics and it's all the same. Like mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it's mm-hmm. just the same yeah. principles. Um, is to just meet with somebody that can look you in the eye and understand. Mm-hmm. When I walk into a room of recovering addicts and alcoholics, they understand. Um, yeah. It's not as scary as you think. And now, actually, there's tons of Zoom online meetings that you can go yeah. to. Um, yeah. If you're in the Hampton, you can dial into the Hampton Roads one. You know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. actually after this tonight, uh, by the time this airs, I'll have a link in my bio uh, uh, at broken underscore yeoman, Y-E-O-M-A-N. And I'll have um, a link to different Zoom meetings that you can go in. You can have your little icon off. You can have your camera off, everything. You just sit yeah. and listen. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing is, is just to keep showing up, you know, one day, it sounds so corny, but it really is one day at a time. Exactly. We no, got some 10 years because of one day at a time. And you got to surround yourself with people that call you out on your bullshit. That's mm-hmm. the only way I stay sober is my yeah. first sponsor was somebody I didn't like. <laughs> and it was the best thing that happened to me because I... I stopped drinking on May 5th, 2013, but I didn't start getting sober till February of 2014 after wow. I was on the call list of somebody that killed themselves. Um, he was in, he was in the rooms as well. He was not um, active duty. He was not a veteran or active duty, but he hung around us and we were, and um, just like they teach you in the, in the military, like signs of suicide, um, yeah. which are different for everyone. It's not, you know, but um, not even realizing it. I was on his call list, bro. Like, yeah. Huh. I, I was, I, I don't, another God moment. Um, I only saw him here and there at, at, at uh, meetings and he decided to call me before he hung himself in his closet. And he was oh. able to get a hold of me. He was able to get a hold of me, but his girlfriend of X amount of years, she didn't answer that day. So, huh. um, but in that conversation I had with him, I was thinking, I'm like, man, we really think alike. You know what I mean? Huh. I was faking it till then. I was bringing my big book to meetings, pretending I was just there for the social aspect. Mm-hmm. And um, when he was talking about stuff, I was like, man, like I related to him. And it after I found out he killed himself, um, I was like, that could be me. I need to get my shit together. I need yeah, to yeah. So I was nine months sober before I got nine months not drinking before I got sober. So um, just keep showing up, man. Change your environment. You got to change your people, places and things. Um, we exist. You could. It's such a it, I party sober. That's why I tell people I party sober. Yeah, never yeah. party harder than I do now, and yeah. um, it can happen. And once you do that, man, quitting things, starting things, cleaning up shop is so much easier. When shit isn't working anymore, I'm like, I need to stop what I'm doing and it just it's okay. We'll start from the drawing board. It's okay, and that's the thing is I'll figure it out. You never be more resourceful than a recover a person in recovery. Honestly, mm-hmm. nothing else matters. It's yeah, only yeah. up. Yeah. All right. Second question. Okay. 
feel like I've been babbling. I'm sorry. sorry. No, you you know it's funny. I was just moving you over because my I realized my my laptop was dying. I'm like, oh shit. And then my I was like reaching over your pump, like, what is he doing? I was trying to reach my cord, but then it's plugged into the other socket. So yeah, I had to move you over to this other side of the desk. So, anyways, those that are listening, it does not matter. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> um, you got a 18 year old saying hey i'm joining the navy next week what piece of advice would you give him keep your mouth shut do what you're told keep your mouth shut i'm telling you man like it's i think that they probably have the best chance uh, actually i don't know I don't know. It's so difficult. It's such an unusual world that we live in. Um, I think we're about the same age um, that there are adults now who've never experienced the world before 9-11. And um, that's insane to me. Um, I was I was a sophomore. We don't have to go on the whole 9-11 thing, but um, it was a different world. Like, no, and, it's it's. And I think that that's what our our ranks are getting full of our people in peacetime, you know, sailors, soldiers, airmen in peacetime and don't know what it's like to have your entire existence rocked. You know what I mean? And um, so it really is up to how they were raised. But um, if this generation, not to lump everybody together, but, you know, to lump everybody together is you got to work your way up. You have to work your way up. Yeah. I had to put my ego in check as a 27-year-old woman, as an E3, hmm. having done what I'd done and being told what to do by an 18-year-old yeah. who's seen and done the shit that I'd done and saw. Yeah. And yeah. that was hard. It did not come easy. Um, and it actually started, it came to me when I took um, my, in the Navy, we take exams to promote. And I was taking my second class exam, E5 exam. And I didn't make it. And I was so cocky about it. And um, around that time, I saw this poster. It's kind of corny, but it's um, it was four forks. And one of the forks had a bent tine, like a weird, like a broken mm -hmm. finger. And the title was, um, Being Unique Isn't Always Useful. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with being uniform. In the military, there is that is something where I hear from my boyfriend. He's a he's in um, in E six. He's been in fourteen years, and his stories that he comes home to saying is that these kids. Because I'm sorry, I know you're an adult, but come on, um, mm. have a are in the military and have a problem with being militant. Mm. You know, work your way up. It's you're getting free room and board, medical care. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I think a lot of people, I don't know. I just come from a different place. I was so yeah. thankful every day to be there. But if you're 18 and you want to join the military, is when your time is there, your time is the military's. Mm -hmm. It's it you know in in the navy we say ship shipmate self. Mm -hmm. You know mission first. Right. That's important because when shit hits the fan, which it will, mm -hmm. you need to be ready. That's what I was about to say. Yep. yep. All these yep. little yep. drills that you do, and I'll, let's be honest, at least in the navy, I know most of your training's online. Mm -hmm. but shit is going to hit the fan. You have to be ready. You know, yep, you, yep. you let people thank you for your service. When you go, go to your, you know, your, your active duty, going to your veterans day at Applebee's, <laughs> thank you for your service. And your mom and dad had a bumper sticker on their car saying that I'm proud, you know, Navy mom. <laughs> Are you really making them proud? 
Yeah, it's good. It, it's, not, it's not a free ride. It's not a vacation. It's the United States military. Get yeah. serious. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, because yeah. when we need you on the front lines, because we're gonna really mm -hmm. soon, get your shit together. While, while when your hand is raised to the day you sign your DD-214, take it seriously. Yeah, 100%. And, and I, I'm really passionate about that shit because, yeah. yes, I am. I, I, I advocate about mental health. I advocate about getting help when you need it. But honestly, shut the fuck up and do your job. Mm -hmm. learn as much as you can because you like this is not this is not some like internship at disneyland you are in the united states military you are saving grace mm -hmm. so what are you doing to really serve your country not don't and, and if you if you came in just for your gi bill cool but again from the day you raise your hand to you sign your dd214 ship shipmate self yep. or whatever and every other branch has so that's my advice is to shut the fuck up do what you're told be the best that you can be army but honestly, and you'll get things along the way. Things are so much easier if you just go with the flow. Yeah. There's a reason yeah. why people. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 sorry. no. You're, you're 100%. <laughs> no, 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 it was freaking amazing. Because seriously, it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, you joined the freaking Air Force. You're blah, 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 blah. Shit hit the fan with us. There was a lot that went down. And then uh, I was telling my guys when I. So I was in Italy. I was stationed at Aviano when September 11th happened. So when, when here back home, everybody could be like, oh, you know, everybody was so supportive wearing their flags, this and that. We had to hide. <clears throat> we could have, we could have, we had to blend in with the local communities. And then it was funny because our guys that were African-American were like, how the hell am I going to pretend I'm Italian? <laughs> it was super funny. But anyways, um, no, when I was getting out, I was in California and they're like, oh, I got to give a little retirement speech. I just talked for a second, but I told them, I was like, do not be complacent. Do not be complacent. Like, yes, you are Air Force and da-da-da-da-da. But I was like, it hits the fan like when it did with us, and it's crazy because all the stupid training that you hate going to, it just kicks into freaking, it just runs itself. And you're like, oh my God, that's why I did all this. Because it was just secondhand nature when stuff needs to be done or with whatever scenario was going on at the time. So I absolutely love what you said there. And it's like, if people are joining for whatever, you know, you better at least be paying attention. Cause if you get shipped down range and you got it, shit hits the fan. Um, they don't give a crap about your feelings and the people on the other side of the fence, all the, all they care is that you're an American yeah, and it. you're going to die. <laughs> so yeah but anyways that's a whole nother long story too um for god's sakes keep your uniform straight like at least <laughs> at least meet the uniform standard i mean honestly just meet this just just meet the standard get your hair cut <laughs> you know i don't care if you can have ponytails put it in a fucking bun take some pride in in your appearance you're in the united states military i'm sorry put it in a, put it in a scrunchie <laughs> well, they're not all fine, but on your uh, liberty, please buy a bro broken uniform. <laughs> but speaking um, of that, well, hey, let's shout you out. Where can they go to find out your stuff? And I'll put all these links down below too. Yeah. How can people get in contact with you? And can they do like custom orders? Can they say, "Hey, I got this idea for this design," or are you just like, "No, this is what's available. That's it." So, as a small business owner, I ran into that problem. I can't please everyone, and it, it right. honestly, sewing was a therapeutic, and that sets my anxiety. But I will do bridal orders. So, um, I, okay. I've done several so far. But um, so you can find me on brokenyeoman.com. Yeoman is spelled Y-E-O-M-A-N. Um, 
I don't do custom orders, but I have a lot of things. Um, and if you're not into the big frilly kind of uh, showcase ones, I make small ones as well. Um, again, the 15% of my proceeds are donated to the USO quarterly. And um, every month, every quarter, I was able to quadruple my donation. So thank you for your support with that. Um, you can find me in person in Hampton Roads. Um, again, if you go on my uh, Instagram, which is at broken underscore yeoman, um, you could find in my link in my bio. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> link in my bio. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not an influencer, but um, it'll have my, my calendar so you can, you can catch me outside. Uh, that's where <laughs> that, but that's, you know, that's where I want to hang out, man. Like, let's shoot the shit. And, um, I, again, I just want to build a community cause that's what I'm missing. But, yeah. um, you can also find me on, I'm not really active on Facebook, um, it, it, not on Broken Yeoman anyway, but if that's your thing, I, you know, my Instagram speaks to my Facebook. Um, but yeah, man, like, and I'm, I'm also at, um, local salons here, uh, Jovi Salon in Virginia Beach. They supported me since day one. I was in hair school. They, they took me on. So, um, I also do more than scrunchies for people, um, who don't, want to wear them in their hair i also i'm my boyfriend and a couple other guys wear scrunchies too so it's okay um but i also make home goods i have some pillows like this example right here um mm. i have some merch that i make i make some t-shirts and some uh this one's kind of cool because it has my tattoo on it <laughs> twins that's way cool thanks um but yeah i try to try, i'm trying to be more uh um, inclusive with my products. Cause really it's not about, I mean, it's awesome that, you know, people are out in these streets rocking scrunchies, but it's really about, um, it comes down to a therapy for me, a place for yeah, me to yeah, feel yeah. like I have a deadline. People are depending on me, um, purpose. purpose. Yeah. And, um, it's also a form of a form of art. Um, a lot of times I get mistaken for a maker, but I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm an artist. <laughs> I also do other mediums, but for now, sewing is, it's also really industrial. You know, I'm Definitely. still, I'm still operating machine. So, yeah. um, but yeah. And if you're interested in sewing, maybe I could do something like that too. Cause sewing machines are complicated at first and, um, Freaking expensive too. Oh my God. Again, I'm so thankful for my boyfriend. He, that's what I got for my birthday. It's awesome. It like enhances my speed by at least 15%. Sweet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you want to, so it's, it's therapy, find a therapy that works for you. It doesn't matter what it is. And it, you know, it could be music. It could be anything. Like I yeah. am such a big, that. like whatever makes you happy, man, as long as it's not hurting you or others do it, you exactly. know, do it. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. No, that was one of the things too. When I started the BRB, I started hearing all these people that had these different therapeutic groups of stuff they were doing. And I was like, that's dumb. They're painting rocks, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I'm like, why, who the hell am I to judge on what they is is doing good for them? You know, yeah. it's like you're and a piece of shit for even thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, not everybody is into group things. I'm not. Right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, I I do talk a big game when it comes to military, but I do I force myself for a lot of that um, communal shit. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I really yeah, yeah. I I don't want to say a lone wolf because that sounds really stupid. But um, I usually like doing myself things myself. So I've actually tell myself to be a team player i'm not by nature um, a lot of people maybe who, who have worked with me would be surprised to hear that mm. um, but that's a discipline that i learned and i continue to learn um to live a life of, of service because that gives me fulfillment but there's nothing wrong with like learning something on your own too and then then what happens is like say for instance you like um macrame and uh. you do it yourself and actually 
macrame is very close to what the bosun's mates do in the navy when they you know do their cool line work you know mm-hmm. but if you really dig that then all of a sudden you meet somebody in person at macrame's too and then now all of a sudden you're part of a macrame group like you know what i mean like it's yeah. it yeah. being veterans as much as we love being alone we really like other like people that like to be alone that we spend time together <laughs> like, yeah yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah. There's so I just hope that you can find something um, that you enjoy, no matter how lame you might think it is. It's not. It's freaking awesome, and I support hundred mm-hmm. percent. Like yeah. it, honestly, like I hope that you can find it. And there's nothing wrong with shopping for around for what you like. I, my whole house is like a Michaels because I buy <laughs> so many different crafting. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm, maybe I'll get sick of sewing. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One broken yeoman turns into something that I feel like I have to do. I'm going to shut her down. And, and I know that sounds awful, but I'm not living this life miserable. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I don't want to give my joy to something else like ever again. No. So, I mean, I don't see that happening, but it could. And, yeah. uh, or I just make some adjustments because I'm stoked to. sew. I'm stoked to, to make new fabrics. Like this one, people are going nuts over this one. Yeah. Right? It sounds super cool. Like, yeah. But and it's so funny. Like I love, I see these, I'm like, oh my god, I made it. But at the same time, like, why are people going nuts over a hair tie? <laughs> but, Do you know what that reminds me of? My daughter had a dress when she was super little, and it had these floaty sunflowers. Like, it was like that kind of same material, and they, like, free-floated in there. And that's when I saw that. I was like, oh my god, that totally reminds me of my daughter's dress uh-huh. back in the day. But it's, uh. it, it's cool, man. Like, just, I hope somebody finds, if you don't, because... There was a time in my life when, uh, you know, those same questions were like, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, I, I always made shit up because I didn't know how to answer that because I don't have any hobbies. Is Judge Judy and, like, like binge eating Blaze potato chips and Diet Coke a hobby? Because sign me up because that's I'm the president of that freaking club. But, um, I you know, it's I always uh, kind of have a panic. I don't want to say panic attack because people really have panic attacks. But I would feel uncomfortable answering that because I, I – and, and I felt – um. Like less than because I I don't have hobbies. Like I wish I loved to run and work out. No, believe that me. Would be yeah. great. Um, I don't. Um, yeah. but once I found something and then I got encouragement from somebody else. That's what I really needed. Um, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that I just needed a little bit of encouragement. And yeah. I, I definitely get it in this community. Um, and yeah. I'm here for it. If yeah. uh, you know, if you need a cheerleader, you already got me, man. <laughs> like. Yeah. If it brings that's rad because not everybody can find what brings them joy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Freaking. My goodness. <laughs> oh, Jenny. Yeah. Holy shit! It's nine o'clock. You're like, oh, I wonder if people ask some questions so we know what to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I. Past I, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're. I knew you were gonna have an amazing story, but you are super, super powerful. Like, um, I think so many women, well, so many people, not just women, everybody. You got an awesome story to share. Like, seriously, it's incredible, and I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I guess in a sense, you did hit bottom, but you didn't hit bottom, bottom like a lot of people can do. So, um, for you. <laughs> to have the strength to get to where you are right now, uh, like I, 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 I just can't, I, I can't clamp enough for you. Um, really, so one good. day at a time. So uh, yeah. just baby yeah. steps, man. You know, yeah. go through the storm, not away from the storm. Be a buffalo and not a cow. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Well, um, 
I appreciate everything you're doing. I absolutely love the scrunchies. And the mission behind it is incredible. And thank you for donating to the USO because you're the first one that I've heard that actually donates to the USO. Everybody that's listening, like, thank you, Jenny. Yeah, till next time. I, I can't wait to hear more from you. And I need to get you up on the VRB happy hour and do all that stuff too. Yeah, man. So. Like if, and if anybody wants to, uh, I'm not a therapist. I have no training in medical or, um, you know, I'm not a drug and alcohol counselor by any means. I'm just a chick that went through a lot of shit. Um, but if you need a jump off point, um, you know, shoot me a message uh, again at broken yeoman, uh, broken underscore yeoman on, on Instagram, or you can email me. That's another thing too. So it's not weird. You're like, you're waiting for me to like, look at your, I get it. Like when you send a message to somebody you're waiting for it to say yeah. red, like I totally yeah, get it. Yeah. So if you want to just shoot me an email, broken yeoman at gmail.com. Um, you know, I'm, I might not have an answer, but I have an ear and maybe I have some resources for you. So, um, or if you just want to fire scrunchie, that's, that's cool too. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, right on. Well, awesome. You're such an amazing person. So thank you for giving us some of your time. So with that, see you later. <laughs>